So as we talk about marriages today, I wanted to, to share with you um, uh, two weeks from today, uh, on Sunday, Nick and Aaron Denton celebrate their one-year anniversary. Let's Woo! give them a round of applause. Yeah! So Nick and Aaron, all right, all right. We love you guys. That was a fun, that was a really fun wedding. Yes, um, I know some of you were there. And then as I looked around the room, I want to congratulate my parents for being, uh, making this February 46 years. So mom and dad, great job. Yes. I think you're the winners. You guys won by far, hands down, I think. I mean, there might be some other couples in the church, but... And then um, it made me start thinking about, as we were talking about marriage, uh, talking about our marriage. And, and so our wedding, uh, I remember how wonderful and absolutely stressful our wedding was. Now, now don't get me mind. I was happy. I, don't get me wrong. I was happy. It was a great day. But listen, it seemed like everything that could possibly stress me out happened on that day. So first of all, it was really hot. It was close to 100 degrees and humid. And it was an outdoor wedding. We almost got rained out, um, and so it was like half rainy, half not, weren't really sure. Um, there were these uh, favors, party favors, that we put a lot of effort into making that didn't get handed out at all. Uh, they just sat there in the box, and they came home and got thrown in the trash. So that was another thing. The, the wedding started 45 minutes late because one of Jessica's family members decided, I don't know why. They, he got hurt. He got hurt. Okay. So he got hurt. Uh, his feelings got hurt? What? Like, my grandfather like, fell and hurt. He his, fell. Okay. He, like, he arrived okay. late with a cane. Right. So where are we? Okay. But the, really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was really sad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I guess there's some excuse. So his, her grandfather arrived late with a cane. He did. Then the wedding came, and um, it was after, during, you know, the music was great. My dad, he was in a band at the time. Music was awesome. It was incredible. I remember when we were on the dance floor, um, Jess had left. I don't know. I was dancing. So I ended up dancing by myself on the dance floor, looking like a fool. Now, <laughs> if you've ever been at an event where Rich is dancing, it's a lot of fun. But it took me a while to want to engage fully with that. Okay. He's a wild Good man nice. on the dance floor. <laughs> well, so in the middle of the day, I'm dancing. And this, 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 this young girl comes up, or woman, who I didn't even know. I didn't know she got invited to the mm -hmm. wedding. I think she was a plus one. Yeah. And she started like dancing like really close to me up in my grill and everything. It was like one of the most awkward situations. My wife had left me and this other girl started dancing with me. And so, I mean, I just, all I did is I had to boogie my way out of the situation. So I just <laughs> danced my way fanatically off to the side and got off the dance floor. But whoo, I did it. We survived. Uh -huh. um, and then to top it all off to make the wedding even more um, interesting, to, to use a euphemism there, is that during the cake, you know when they cut the cake, mm. and then you're supposed to be like very nice and put the cake in your spouse's mouth, right? So, or whatever, however they, whatever it's supposed to be. So I cut the, cut the cake, I was like, here Jess, here's a nice piece of cake, and I was being very kind and friendly. And then she took the cake, and then when it was her turn, she like, she smashed it into my face, but not only smashed it, but she gave me a fat lip and I started bleeding. <laughs> And I started, I was like, is this what marriage is going to be about? I, I, so I bit my lip, no pun intended. I didn't say anything. And it wasn't what, you didn't find that out until what, like years later or something? Yeah, years later. Like years later. Where I almost didn't believe him. But I mean, I apparently am stronger than I thought. <laughs> so anyway, I felt like in that one day, 
I was faced with like every kind of temptation or difficulty that was like a illustration of what you could face in marriage. And that first year, man, our first year of marriage, it was hard. It was really difficult. I don't know if you want to share a little bit about that. It was very tough. Uh, I was alone a lot. I was very young. I was 20, uh, isolated, living in the city. My family and friends were outside of the city. I was the only one married of my peers. So I think I had a little depression going on too. Um, pregnant the first year, and that was terrible as well. And we fought a lot. We argued, nitpicked at each other. It was bad. And then I would often just like get so mad, and I would loud. I would yell. I mean, I did punch him, I guess, right? I, I don't know if it was really a punch, but like with the cake, you throw. I threw the cake. Sometimes. No, no, I'm not talking about that. Oh. No, I never punched him. Like, no. Oh, the pillow. I'm talking so about the cake. Yeah. Like, I, you know. Oh, the cake. So I'm very expressive. Um, <laughs> So I was loud, I would yell, run away, and I guess throw pillows, um, and just didn't want to work, like talk through all of that. It was awful. Yeah, yeah well, you know, as, as some of you have been married, or you have seen marriages, or just witnessed marriages, I mean, marriage is great, and there's a lot of joys, but it's also very difficult. I mean, uh, Pete and Bindu's story highlights that. I mean, a lot of the difficulties that we sometimes face, and there's sometimes seasons of that, sometimes it's consistent. Every relationship is, of course, is different. Uh, but marriages face a lot, of, a lot of challenges today, don't they? A lot. There's all these different threats, all these different ways that a marriage can fall apart. And divorce, divorce lawyers will cite major, three major things, really, why marriages will fall apart. One of them is just unresolvable conflict. They can't resolve issues that come in their relationship. They cannot work through them, and so it ends the relationship. Another one is lack of commitment in some form. It might be infidelity. It could be in a number of other things, the ways you can just uh, walk away from the marriage, whether it's explicitly or implicitly. Uh, that's, a, that's another major reason. And then a lack of intimacy. That's another major reason why marriages will often fall apart. I mean, there's certainly a lot of other reasons, but those are basically the three major categories. And um, divorce, really, it's, it's really one of the most difficult things uh, that a person can go through. And as I've seen my friends walk through that, or even in difficulty in marriages, it's been painful. And it's, it's hard to see and to witness. But it is a reality that, um, that we all face. So it's not a surprise that you've, you've probably heard this before, that basically half of all marriages end in divorce and really don't make it. Yeah, it's really sad, and over the past, I'd say, six months to a year, there have been different uh, couples that I've known who've been married for 25-plus years who are either in the middle of a divorce or getting divorced. And one of the common themes um, that I've seen and heard from them, specifically the women, is the kids are grown, they've left the house, so they're feeling like this lack of now what, and husbands are kind of, they're working, maybe thinking about retirement and now what, or they're in ministry, and it's these things like kids, work, ministry that they've put above each other. And so there's something lacking in their relationship, that intimacy is lacking. Yeah. So what we're doing is we're uh, in the middle of a sermon series, if you haven't been with us, called Restoring Our Relationships, and uh, we want to talk about uh, marriage and what God says about marriage. And really, the way Jesus approaches a marriage that the apostles did, the early church, it's really culturally, it's, it's counterculture. It's culturally not um, looked at as something that uh, is the way to do things. But as we submit, the main theme of this series, really, as we submit our relationships to Jesus, we do it his way, that's where the life is. And that's where the restoration and transformation and, and life is. 
And so we want to look at a passage in the book of Ephesians, uh, which talks really directly about marriage today as we, as we uh, continue our series and, and highlight marriage. So, Jess, you want to uh, lead us in prayer before we go? Love to. Oh, Father, I thank you for the people that are here. I thank you for the, the relationships and the different stages of relationships that are here. Um, I ask that your, your, your words would um, seep deep down into the depths of our soul, our being, that you would move anything that's getting in the way or has been in the way of hearing truth about uh, your heart for marriage um, so, that, so that we can hear and, and fully hear and embrace and and love what your word says. In Jesus' name. Yeah, amen. All right, cool. So the book of Ephesians, brief context for why this book is written or what's going on here. So the Apostle Paul is writing to a group of a Gentile or non-Jewish believers who had just come into a new relationship with God. And they're living, they were living in the Roman pagan empire, and they're coming into this new way of relating. And so what relating to one another and relating to God. And so what Paul's trying to do is help them uh, understand what is different about their new way of life. So he talks about this idea of living in Christ as a new way of life, and he, he gives a great overview of what that is. You used to be dead, now you're alive, and this is what it means in your relationships. And so toward the end of the letter, he begins to address all the different relationships, particularly the family relationships, and he starts off with what I see in starting off that way is what are the most important pivotal relationship that really affects everything else, which is the relationship between a husband and wife. And so we come into verse uh, 21, chapter 5, and I'm going to have uh, Jess take it from there. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So, um, and... Continuing on with that, verses 22 to 24, it says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Actually, here, let's, let's pause. I want to make a, put a pause okay. and say something first before you do that. Oh. So, and the, what I want to do is just reference last week. So, this idea of submission, um, it's important here to understand that this submission, this verse 21 is pivotal. It's important to understand because it frames the rest of the discussion between the role of the husbands and the role of the wives. And he addresses wives first and then husbands. And it really goes back to what we talked about last week when we talked about humility. The way that we demonstrate humility in our relationships with one another, which Paul talked about in the book of Philippians, is, is through submission, is mutual submission to one another. And what that looks like is putting the interests of the other person ahead of yourself. And so that's the framework that we're looking at when we look at the lens of what Paul is saying uh, and his, really his message about new life in Christ, this is not only the way that we treat one another, but it certainly impacts in marriage. So really every kind of divorce or relational separation is basically people not doing this thing right here. And I can give you hundreds of examples, but I just wanted to give that framework. I didn't want to forget to do that. So go Thank ahead, you. Jess. You're yes. going to read the next verse there? Yes, I am. Okay. Um, do you want to? Yeah, I'll pull it up. Yeah, click it. All right, so verse 22 through 24. Wives, submit yourselves to your, hus your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit 
to their husbands and everything. I'm not sure about you guys, but many women, including myself at times, have struggled with this verse. Thank you, Katie. <laughs> yes, it's the idea of submitting to your husband in everything. Um, in our culture, that often there is abuse. Men have historically taken these words and have abused women in different ways. Um, and so it's, it's a, a legit issue and concern that I think I've grown up in. Um, and Christian men will often use this verse to try to justify the mistreatment of their wives, the women in their lives, and they'll say that their, the, their wives need to obey them in everything, um, as if they are their child, or they're, they're, they're just under them as like an employee. Um, and the Bible doesn't say that. <laughs> That's not what the Bible says. So women often read this passage through that perspective, and um, it can be destructive, super destructive in the marriage relationship. And when we look at what Paul is actually saying here in the context of mutual submission, it's important to be clear about what he's not saying. So the first thing to look at is he is not saying that wives are to be slaves to their husbands. He is not saying that um, wives are to act in blind obedience. He is not saying that marriage is that boss-employee relationship, like I mentioned. And he's not saying that marriage is a parent-child relationship. And he's not saying that the wife's desires and plans and dreams don't matter and won't happen. It's not at all what he's saying. What Paul is doing is laying out beautiful blueprint or framework, like Rich said, for healthy marriage that honors God. And to truly see what that is, we can look at verse 24 that says, Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. So the question here is, how does the church submit to Christ? It's a pretty good question. How do we do that? As followers of Jesus, how do we submit to him? What we do is we have free will and a choice to invite Jesus into our lives every day, our daily living. Into, as like, I like to talk to my kids about big deals and little de deals, if any kind of problems or issues that arise. Into the joys and sorrows that arise in our lives. We make the choice, again, it's a choice to consider that the thoughts of Jesus, the thoughts or the, in the perspectives and desires of Jesus um, are for, for us are better than what we might even consider for ourselves. And as we do that, I don't know if you've noticed, as you walk with Jesus, your own thoughts, your own desires, your own dreams and perspectives come into alignment with Jesus. There's a shift that can happen in us. And then we're like, oh, this is amazing. I had no idea that living a life with Jesus could be like this. And there's an intimate friendship 
that also develops and deepens. We feel stronger, more connected to Jesus, and we're secure and assured in his love and desire for us. And that's just for the people of God. That's for the church. And so when Paul says, submit yourselves to your husbands as the church um, submits to Christ, what that's saying is you have a choice. You have a choice to invite your husband. I'm talking to the women, now the wives who are married here. You have a choice to invite your husband into your daily life, into the big things, the small things, into how you spend your money, into how you spend your time, how you, the people you spend your time with, what you guys are going to do together. You have um, a choice and the freedom in doing so. And uh, it's, I've heard of people saying that with Jesus, oftentimes they'll, I, like recently I heard someone say this, that she went through this phase with the Lord where she would wake up every morning and be like, God, what should I wear today? I'm not saying to do that with your husband. He does not need, <laughs> and nor does he care to say, this is what you should wear today. That's like, no, not at all. That's a control, something controlling, right? From a husband perspective, that would be bizarre. Would you want well, to do sometimes that? Sometimes there's that shirt like you used to wear every day, and it'd be like, oh, maybe so you can true. get a new shirt. Like that was. Yeah, but I didn't ask your opinion on that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think you got a new shirt. It became a painting shirt. Yeah, it did. That was good. It did. I still have it. Um, <laughs> I like it. It's a good one. It was a good one. It was the peacock one, if you remember that. Jess she used had, to wear that Jess one. Jess Mel had that one, too. It's a good quality, quality yeah. show. <laughs> Costco. Um, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Rich, that's so funny. So, a but a practical way that you could, and this is, like, so small, right? But in, in a way, it's just be like, to your husband, you know, what, is there something I wear that you like, that you think I look beautiful in, that you would like me to wear sometime? And then choose to wear that on a date night. Or, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just ask, inviting him into something small that's so small and somewhat insignificant, but it, make, it can make him feel cared for and that you value what he likes, right? Um, and then also, you know, like with making dinner, if, if, as a wife, if you're the main one in your family that cooks, I know sometimes the husbands are because they love that. There's some great cooks out here. Um, Ask your, your spouse, your husband, hey, what would you like to eat sometime this week? And like, then go through the effort to do that for him. It's just little things. Um, and then, you know, there are big, big decisions and choices as well to make. Um, and that can be really tough. That can be really tough, whether it's a move, like Pete shared about. Um, buying a vehicle furniture, a house, what, whatever it is, relationships that need to, like friendships and family uh, relationships outside of the two of you that might not be healthy or that need help in some ways, right? Like inviting your husband to speak truth and his perspective and his heart um, into that can be a wonderful thing. I, I really, uh, Rich and I would often argue, um, I mentioned, and one of the reasons we would argue is because I often felt like I wasn't good enough. I wasn't good enough at keeping, like, taking care of the house or taking care of the kids. I, I heard him say those things, but that's not what he was saying. He actually never used those words. Um, those were my own personal wounds and struggles that I had. 
And I, it just built up over years. Like, we've been married 19 years. And so I don't, it was just a few years ago there was a shift that happened. But there was years of buildup um, that I became more and more resistant to any feedback he would offer me. I don't even know if I asked him for feedback anymore. Like, I think I was just, just like, nope. I don't, I, don't want, I don't want your thoughts on that. <laughs> um, and we would fight over it a lot. I felt as if I was a child, and, but that's not what he was doing either. He was just simply asking me a question. Hey, Jess, what would you do today? And it wasn't, he was just genuinely curious because he cares about me and he wants to know what I, what I did. Like, we have a great friendship and relationship. And when you, like, you, do you ever ask your friends, hey, what'd you do today? Like, it's that kind of thing. Now, if there's an edge of, hey, what'd you, did you really do anything today? Like, that's, but that's not what he would say. But that's different, right? That's like a, there's so much in there that's not being said that's being said, you know? <laughs> um, so anyway, um, there was a moment where Rich, a few years ago, he said to me, hey, Jess, don't you assume the best of me? He, and I think that's what I think you said. Don't you assume the best of me? And I think you even elaborated. You're like, you said, I, I assume the best of you. Like, I don't feel like you're giving that back to me. And it kind of stopped me in my tracks. I was like, oh, this is interesting. This is something I actually never really fully thought of. And, and like, it actually made me reevaluate what our marriage relationship is. Like, what does it look like? And why? And I don't even know if I told you that part. But like I was, I was, I was considered, like I was just like thinking about this. Like this man chose to live his life with me, like the rest of his life with me. And I chose the same to do with him. And we truly, genuinely like each other and love each other and we have fun together. We're, we're good friends. Yes. I need to, I, I don't think I've been like assuming the best of him. And so it was a bit of a, a shake that I felt like the Lord gave me. And I did not tell him in the moment about this at all because I didn't want to. <laughs> I needed the Lord to work on me. Um, and there's a bit of an about face, but it changed. Like there was an, yeah, it was an about face. It changed what I would hear him say. I stopped hearing things that he wasn't saying. I actually started hearing what he was saying. And if I was questioning anything, I would ask for clarification, like without being um, defensive, without going into a defensive mode, automatically putting up a wall, like, no, we don't talk about this. And then realizing, wait, we're a team here. This really matters. And um, I know that Rich follows Jesus with all his heart, and there's a trust that is there that I have for knowing that he does that. And that makes a huge, huge difference. And um, just like as we follow Jesus, when we invite Jesus into our lives by submitting to him, and you know that depth, that connection, that intimacy that grows with him, the same happens with our husbands. There's a deeper level of commitment, there's a deeper level of trust, there's a deeper level of love that grows and just gets better and better. But it has to look, it, it has to look like what Paul is saying in this scripture. 
Like it's a, under the umbrella of that mutual submission that Rich mentioned in the beginning. It's, it has to work together with the man as well, those blueprints. And you're able to see the beauty of God's design. Yeah, I, I want to highlight that one point about coming into alignment with each other. Mm -hmm. Because the whole book of Ephesians is about coming into alignment with Jesus himself. It's unity with Jesus. It's cooperating with the Holy Spirit. And when two people or a husband and wife together are in unity with what God's doing individually, when they come together, if they're both on the same page with Jesus, they're going to be on the same page with one another. And I think one of the, I mean, I don't know if you want to say that, just a surprise. We were trying to think of an example where we didn't see it and we had to submit the decision or whatever to each other. But we couldn't really think, even throughout the 19 years that we've been married, we couldn't think of one example. That's true. Even in like little things where we saw things mm -hmm. differently, as we prayed and sought the Lord together, yeah. we always, I, I can't, I mean, there, maybe there have been, but we couldn't think of an example where we weren't in alignment with each other because we were seeking God separately and together as a couple. Right. And so our alignment with Jesus really gave us the connection that we had and the unity in our own relationship that's that's really and uh, helped or benefited our mm -hmm. marriage tremendously absolutely you know, I, I think that's a key point so thank you for sharing is there anything else you wanted to share um maybe regard to uh and that verse or anything else are you, mm -mm. you good okay well thank you thanks for sharing that maybe we can look at the uh the, the next part there so let's let's take a look here at um ephesians 5 so husbands now it's your turn and uh paul goes into uh, some good detail here. So let's take a look at that. And uh, Ephesians 5, so verse uh, 25, we'll start there, uh, to 27. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself, uh, gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. An interesting thing about this verse is that Paul could use any word. There's a lot of words in Greek that mean love. There's eros love, which is like the root of erotic or sexual kind of love. There's philos love, like Philadelphia, brotherly, family kind of love. But he chooses the word that we often see ascribed to God, which is agape love, which is selfless, giving away of oneself that is almost supernatural, uh, or is supernatural in its origin. And this is the kind of love that Paul is referring to that husbands have for their, for their wives as agape love. And this is interesting. It's kind of actually, this part's kind of confusing because it talk, he talks about this washing with water and what is that. And there's actually not necessarily a clear consensus across the board among scholar, biblical scholars what this means. However, there is a clear connection when we look at this uh, in, in terms of imagery and what Paul's referring to, to John 13, when Jesus, if you remember the scene, Jesus washed the disciples' feet. And he said, uh, you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you and only your feet need to be washed. And so I think what Paul's doing is here is really referencing the relationship that the disciples had with Jesus here and, and saying, listen, just as Jesus loved the church and Jesus, when he demonstrated, said in the book of John, the fullness of his love, what did he do? It was a picture of foot washing. Foot washing is the way he became a servant to his disciples to teach them about his love for them. And the call of a husband here, uh, as they're called to be spiritual leaders of their home, is to be leaders in love 
to be leaders and sacrificing themselves for the good of their, uh, of their, um, of their wife. And really, part of what Jesus is doing is he's anticipating the needs of his disciples. And in the same way, one of the roles of a husband, one of the ways I try and think about our marriage, is that I need to anticipate my wife's needs and serve her, even when she might not know what she thinks, uh, even when she might not know that she needs to say something or that she needs to come out and tell me, I need you to do this. What I try to do is be intentional about meeting those, those needs and serving her any way I can. So one practical example, the way this looked like recently, this is just in the past couple weeks. Jess just started working um, uh, at preschool uh, where Linda works too, great. She's having a great time, by the way, Linda. So uh, good job being a good boss. You know, it is an employee-boss relationship there in that case, yes. so I'll give you that. <laughs> but anyway, she comes home, she, but she's working uh, in addition to taking care of the family and all the other responsibilities that Jess normally does, and a lot of the behind-the-scenes work uh, for the church that nobody ever sees, and she did, puts in a lot of work and sacrifice and has for the past eight years for our church. I just want to let you guys know that you don't see a lot of what Jess does behind the scenes, but in addition to all those things, I realized she was getting really kind of burned out and tired uh, with her new schedule, and I was, I was encouraging her to take some rest, and so I had to make some adjustments to my schedule, say, hey, why don't you take this, these Saturdays, or sometimes we'll adjust to Sundays, for, so that you can really rest. And so that's the way that Jesus loves us. He creates space in love. He makes the sacrifices necessary. And so I picked up some more slack. I've taken up more slack in our home so that Jess can not feel overwhelmed with the new schedule and responsibilities. And I believe that's the way that Jesus loves us. He invites us into his rest, and he creates a space where that can happen. And so that's part of what, um, what, I've, what, I've, what I've tried to do. Let's, let's just one example, but let's continue on because uh, it's, it gets pretty good here. So 5, verse 28. Okay, here we go. So Paul gets into the meat of what he's saying. He's saying, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, or their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of this body, and for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. All right. Husbands, here's the bottom line. You're doing yourself a favor by loving your wife. Repeat, finish this statement. Happy wife. Let's do this again. Happy wife. Happy life. Listen. Happy wife. That is the way to live your life. And if you love your wife and you sacrifice for her, even though there's more short-term loss, it's definitely for the long-term gain. So any sacrifice you do that you make for your wife, you're actually just doing it for yourself anyway. So it's not really a big deal. So you don't get any applause because you're kind of, whatever you do that benefits your wife is going to directly benefit yourself in the long run. And so any sacrifice is really just me living my life like I would take care of my own body. And that's kind of what Paul's saying here. Now, you can see here part of this uh, sex is actually part of this. So verse 31, for this reason, a man will leave his wife and be united to his wife. And so sex is obviously a great part of marriage. Um, I've heard, so the most simple marriage formula, if you want to know if you have a healthy marriage or not, is this, is if the number of times you have sex is greater than the number of bad fights, you probably have a healthy marriage. That simple. That's a basic formula, but it's an important part of the marriage relationship. And in fact, Paul is connecting the sexual relationship, the physical intimacy that a husband and a wife has to the relationship that the church has with Jesus himself. And marriage, this is a whole, it could 
you know, go do a whole sermon series about this. But the picture that Paul's painting here of the church and, and Jesus himself is this connection of relational unity. And really, uh, the sexual act that is between a husband and wife within marriage is to paint a picture for what the relationship between Jesus and the church is supposed to be like. There's a mutual submission, there's a giving away, there's joy, there's intimacy, there's connection, and the, the, the act of sex is meant to be within a relationship in which one another are, are giving themselves, giving their lives away in sacrifice to one another. And, that's, and that is the sexual ethic that Jesus preached. It is what Paul is talking about. And when we remove sex from the act of marriage between a man and a woman, that's where all sorts of problems uh, start to occur. In marriage is where Jesus himself sees a picture of his own love for his beloved bride, which is the church. And listen, young people here, let me tell you, what you do before marriage, all the work you do, if you want to get married, all the things that you do before you get married will impact you when you do get married. Uh, I made a commitment when I was 13 years old that I was going to wait and save myself because of, for the good of my wife. In, in marriage, and I did, and I, I kept with that commitment, and God has blessed that, and I've seen again and again as we commit ourselves to loving our wife, sacrificing those things. You know, we're, we're all young at, at one point, and, or even we all have our sex drives, and we all want to have sex, or I think most of us do, I would guess, but when we sacrifice those desires for the good of our husband or wife, that's where the joy and ultimate is, and so young people, listen, what you do before marriage is really the best predictor of what happens during your marriage. And so you can prepare and love your spouse even when you're not actually married. And husbands, let me say this, you can love your spouse, you can love your wife by what you do outside of the context of your relationship. So what you think about, what you look at on the internet, uh, the kind of relationships you engage in outside of that relationship are ways that you can love your spouse as well. So I know pornography has been a big problem in our culture today. And dis, that dishonors your wife. How does, this, how does this affect my wife? Everything that I do. And so I consider in my own, uh, in my own life, how is this, this thing that I'm doing or that I'm going to invest my time in or that I'm going to give my emotional energy to, how does that impact my wife? And will this, will this negatively impact? Will this be for her well-being? And so husbands think this way, and this is the way that Jesus um, Jesus taught. So in Ephesians 5, we'll just close with this here. Um, he, he says this, this is a profound mystery. And so in reference to this marriage relationship, what Paul's really talking about when he talks about the relationship between men and wife, sex, intimacy, being united, he's really talking about this whole time, the relationship that the church has with Jesus. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. So part of the giving away and this uh, foot washing, husbands, we're called to be the foot washers in the relationship. And so for me, I, I've, I've earned the title in our home as the dirty jobs man. I think you gave that gave me that title. Is that correct? And I praise Jesus for that. <laughs> okay. Yes. So, you know, the, the dead mice that are, you know, cat batted around for, you know, a couple hours so and then gross. threw in the pile of clothes. Or, you know, when the dog does takes care of his business, her business somewhere that's not pleasant to clean up. Or when somebody gets a bloody nose or throws up or there's trash that falls all over the driveway. Or, you know, fill in the, any number of things. Guess whose job that is? It's the dirty jobs man. 
It's the foot washing guy, and it's my responsibility, my glad responsibility, killing the bugs, the bees that when she's yelling like crazy when there's like a fly that's going to run her little bee. It's my job. There's a story behind that. We're not going to tell right now, but there's <laughs> okay. my defense. As the foot washing uh, master of the house is to wash feet, and, and actually okay. physically washing people's feet is actually a, a good thing to do, it's, but it demonstrates the role of the husband. And so when a, a husband, I've seen that when, I've, when, I'm, when I'm postured that way, when I'm leaning into self-sacrificing, that makes my wife pretty happy. She's not doesn't get upset at me when I serve her uh, and try to sacrifice myself. Like, is she going to get really angry at me? I mean, but when we're both doing that, when she's uh, sacrificing or making submitting her best interests uh, and asking me what I would how, what I would prefer, and I'm sacrificing myself in her self interest, it's a mutual submission and love for one another. And as we do that, and throw in there the most important thing of all is that we're submitting to Jesus himself. That creates a context in marriage which will keep a husband and wife together for the rest of their lives till death do they part. And that is my prayer for us. It is my prayer and hope for every marriage in our church would thrive. And listen, I pray, just praise. I know I've prayed with many of you. I am praying for all the marriages in our church constantly for unity because it is essential to life in the kingdom marriages matter and listen if you're not married there's a whole nother teaching we could do listen you're a whole lot better off not being married paul would say because you can focus and you can do kingdom stuff in a way that you can't when you are married so not married great that's fine and you can stay that way do it because the lord will bless that tremendously in ways that you cannot if you are married and you have to focus refocus your attention um, so I think that's all I want to say, except, except maybe wrap up. Would you, would, what would you say um, in terms of practical things? What are some ways that uh, you might suggest, maybe that with, that ways that have been helpful for us where we've practiced mutual submission or sacrifice and submission um, that would be helpful for marriages in our church? Yeah. Or anyone listening anyone to Anyone listening. So um, put your, make your spouse your, the priority over anything and everything else. Um, one of the things that Rich and I have been doing from the very beginning is we take weekly, well, I don't know if it's weekly, but right now it's weekly, but I don't know if at first it was, date nights. Like it's going, to, removing ourselves from our home, spending time with each other, actually having conversations, or, you know, that has nothing, we try to have nothing to do with <laughs> Uh, the kids or work or ministry. Um, sometimes it still happens, and that's okay. It's impossible, by it's the way. It's impossible. I know. It bleeds into everything. But we still have this a deep friendship, a connection. So date nights, spending time with each other, making, like I said, each other a priority. Our kids know that we love them so much, but they also know that our relationship comes before our relationship with them. They know that, and there's something that is securing for them in that. Um, and encourage each other. T husbands, tell your wives how much you love them and why you love them. It's always so nice to hear. I love that. I do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, wives, tell your husbands what you appreciate about them, what you respect about them, what you see them doing. They love to hear those things. Um, it just helps... <laughs> It helps build up those love tanks, and um, it creates that unity and that connection. And pray. 
pray for each other. One of the best gifts that we were ever given, which I totally thought was really cheesy at first, but I actually love it and now give it ourselves as a gift at a wedding, is this: there's these books called The Power of a Praying Wife and The Power of a Praying Husband. And it works and it matters. You, you go to the Lord in prayer when there's something you don't like, when you find resistance that you, about the, your spouse, you go to the Lord in prayer. And oftentimes what happens is the Lord changes your own heart while changing their heart. And then there's unity and connection. It's amazing. It's a beautiful thing. I've seen it over and over again. So I remember when I was, when I started 13, I started praying for my wife. I would pray for her. And I had this big um, piggy bank that was yeah. in the shape of a, a Tootsie Roll. Because it had Tootsie Rolls in it, but it had a little coin thing at the top. So once you ate all the Tootsie Rolls, which I don't recommend, <laughs> but once you eat all the Tootsie Rolls, you can get, or you give them away to the neighborhood kids. I was filling that up. And so I would put a penny, and every penny I would put in there, or like a nickel or dime, I would say a prayer. And so over the course of my teenage years, up into my, um, every year, every, every time I get some change, I would pray, say a prayer for my wife. And so I was praying for my wife for, I guess it was almost 10 years before, and then, we had to, then I met Jess, and I was getting the sense, and I had this opportunity to, to share the, I had this money had saved up for the ring. I was basically saving up for a ring, and then there was this woman who said she needed a, We were together that We day. were together. We were. And I had this money, money that I'd been saving and praying over in this change, and I was going to get the ring and everything, and then, then she stole it. And then that was the end of that. I was like, oh, wow, there goes 10 years of, uh, that was pretty sad. That was pretty sad. But guess what? God still provide the money for me uh, to, to buy the ring, and uh, that's kind of random. I thought you gave that to her. Well, yeah, but she ended up, it was, she kind of manipulated and lied about it. Oh, I see. Never okay. came back. And, Got it. Yeah. But that's another story for another day. <laughs> We're not talking about that right now. Sorrows and joys in marriage. And then the last thing I'll say, and then we want to worship, but on the thing about the date night, if I were to talk to my younger, like 20 less years version of myself, my 23-year-old self, I would say to that person that every, the best investment you can make with your time, money, and energy is that, is that date night that we did. It's an intentional act. Because what it does is it frames, it's like a discipline. It's a habit that frames the way that we're going to prioritize one another. And especially when you have the little kids, especially when you're busy, when you're busiest, and when you don't think you can do it, that's the time when you need to do it the most. When you're most stressed out with work or whatever, and, and if you're like, I don't have money for that time, well, you can, it's free to take a walk down the street. Um, you can get a meal at Costco for $1.50. You can get a Coke and a hot dog, that's and that's a date. And listen, we've done dates at Costco. We've done dates at Ikea because we couldn't afford it otherwise, but we made each other a priority. We walked for Valley Forge Park. In other words, it matters. And that, to me, I would say in the long run, after tw almost 20 years, that's probably been one of the most helpful practices for us to make sure that we're each other's priorities. We just becomes before the kids, just becomes before the church, just becomes before myself, before CrossFit, before my walks in the park, just gets the priority. And that's the way that I found that really just really feels the most loved. And so Jess, I want to tell you that one of the things I love about you is I love your resilience. I love your honesty. I love how you've worked to overcome a lot of the childhood wounds. And the, I know how hard your life has been. And to see the woman that you've become 
has been an incredible inspiration. Um, and it's, it's, it's given me hope during my difficult times in life that if you can overcome those things and the Lord can bring healing and life to you, that he can do it for me and our kids and people in our church. And I just love that so much about who you are. Um, Thanks, Carl. I trust you with everything. And I believe the Lord wants to do the same for us and wants to speak those words of life. So what we want to do, we're going to spend time worship, but I would just like to let everyone here um, just sit and allow the Lord to speak to them individually. Words of life and encouragement, of intimacy. And I believe the Lord wants to just give you a, just a small taste of the intimacy and love that he has for each of us. So we're going to do that first. And then I would like to pray for the marriages in our, in our church. And so we'll do that in a sec. But let's, let's just take a moment and quiet. And if there's any prophetic insight you have, you know, during our waiting time, we can, we can listen to that too. So let's, let's just create a little space here. And this really is a time of intimacy, um, creating space for God. So Holy Spirit, would you come and speak to our hearts? about your love for each of us, first and foremost. I'd like to um, just pray a prayer of blessing for the marriages. If you're next to your spouse, uh, if you're near them, maybe you could hold hands or something, but I think I would love to just bless. I felt like the Lord really wanted to bless marriages today. So God, I, we ask in, in your name, Jesus, that... Every marriage here that's represented here, every um, couple that you've called together, we pray that first and foremost that they would be unified in you, Jesus. That they would be deeply connected and intimate in their own relationship with you. We pray that every marriage in our church, every marriage represented here, would make it till death do us part. That you would give every marriage here the grace to persevere, the grace to love sacrificially, the grace that each, each member of the, of the marriage, every spouse, would have your grace in their lives to mutually submit to one another, to give themselves away just as you have given yourself away to us. We pray that the marriages in our church and the marriages that are yet to come in our church would be pictures of the gospel, pictures of the self-sacrificing love of Jesus Christ, giving him away for us, for the church. We bless you, husbands and wives, to be the couple, to be the married couple that God's called you to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.